Well, good morning, Northbrook. How are we doing? Good, excellent. We are in week three of our 2023 first series of the new year, One Step Closer. And if you're joining us for the first time this year, uh, this series is all about taking one next step in your relationship with God. Notice we didn't say five next steps. Uh, we said one, uh, one step closer. Because uh, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a season where you were overwhelmed because you had so many things to do that you just didn't do anything? And I think sometimes we can get that way in our walk with God, where we feel, we, we know we want to grow in our relationship with God, but we feel like we have to do all the things. If we're really going to grow, we need to pray more, we need to read our Bible more, we need to join a life group, we need to serve, we need to go to that conference, right, and listen to that podcast, read that book, and eventually it just all feels so overwhelming we do nothing. And so this, uh, this series coming out of the new year, the invitation, the challenge that we as a church are, are, are um, putting before you is that you don't try to do all the things. Life is busy. Life is about choices and priorities, but rather that you would pray and think through what is the one thing that you can do intentionally as we start the new year? What's one intentional thing you can do to help you grow in your relationship with God, to love God more and love others more? So that's what the series is all about. And uh, speaking of taking a next step, there is one next step that we can all take together this weekend, and that would be to pray for Pastor Mike's Buffalo Bills as they play today. That they would win, not for Pastor Mike, but for those of us that have to be with him this week in the office if they lose. If they lose, I may be working off-site if you need me this week. All right, so we are in week three, and uh, today I have three thoughts for you, three, three points, three observations that are going to kind of help us uh, guide this message, and uh, so excited to share what God has placed on my heart. I- I'm I'm going to give you this heads up. I don't know why, but I just feel like giving you a heads up. I may step on some toes today, and uh, so just know that. So if you if you if you don't want your toes stepped on, now's your chance to say you need to go get a donut and head out. Um, I-, I I prayed a lot, spent a lot of time wrestling with our topic today, and and uh, I hope you know me well enough to know that. Uh, I love you, and I, and I don't want to intentionally hurt anyone, but I do feel like the challenge that God has given me today is something that needs to be said. So I'm excited, and I hope you are ready. So a recent scientific study, backed by multiple other studies, has revealed a, a troubling reality. There is a sneaky disease that is causing problems in our country and also around the world. This disease is associated with about a 50% increased risk of dementia and other cognitive impairments in the elderly. It increases the risk of heart disease by 29%. It increases the risk of stroke by 32%. And it also increases the risk of certain types of cancers. This disease significantly increases a person's risk of premature death from all causes and is just as if not more detrimental to health than smoking and physical inactivity. A recent study from the business world suggests that employers are losing $154 billion a year in lost productivity to this disease. Lastly, this disease is linked to poor sleep quality, and it significantly raises the chance of depression, anxiety, and suicide. I know you're all trying to guess what it is. Any guesses? Who said loneliness? 
There it is. Good job. Loneliness. Loneliness is linked to everything that I just shared with you. So here's my first observation for you. Lack of authentic relationships, isolation, and seclusion are ruining our lives. And ruining a lot of our lives at that. According to a Harvard study from 2021, 36% of all Americans, including 61% of young adults and 51% of mothers with young children, feel serious loneliness. Researchers are calling uh, millennials and Gen Z, now I think we're all familiar with the millennial generation, Gen Z would be the generation coming after them, um, roughly 10-year-olds to 20-somethings. Researchers are calling millennials and Gen Z the two most connected and yet loneliest generations to ever walk the face of the earth. Congratulations, my friends. We have built a world where we can be super connected digitally and constantly entertained and even work a job from home without having to have a single deep authentic relationship. It is possible for me to be very well known, but really known by no one. It is possible for me to have a lot of friends, but no deep friendships. It is possible for me to be entertained constantly and yet at the same time feel bored, uninspired, and empty. We have a problem. That's observation number one. Observation number two. Last month I went on a missions trip to Israel. Uh, I mentioned this in my previous sermon in December and buckle up. You'll be hearing more and more about it in the coming messages that I preach. It was a life-changing trip. Uh, Amazing trip. Forever changes the way that I read scripture. I encourage you, if you ever have a chance to go to Israel yourself, do it. Uh, Pastor Mike is taking a group in November, and I think we'll be continuing to take groups there. I encourage you to pray about eventually going on that trip. Uh, and it was amazing. There's so many reasons. The first two days we were there, I would wake up by the Sea of Galilee, and I would be able to go for a run by the Sea of Galilee. I'm a, I'm a runner, and uh, this is one of the pictures I took uh, with the sun rising on the Sea of Galilee. It was just incredible. Uh, to be running by the the same lake that Jesus did so many of his miracles and so much of his ministry. And after we spent time in Galilee, we went to Jerusalem, and I got to stand on the Mount of Olives outside of Jerusalem and look in. This uh, This is evening in Jerusalem. Beautiful, incredible time. I got to stand by the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus spent his last night before his trial and execution. Uh, and so many other amazing, uh, incredible things that you'll be hearing about in the coming months. Uh, the food was amazing. The hotels were nice. The trip was incredible. And I got to go with 23 other pastors. Uh, incredible men from all over the country doing incredible things in their communities and some even around the world. These guys are quality individuals, each one with a deep love for Jesus and a commitment to serve him But can I let you in on a little secret? By the end of the trip, some of those guys were driving me nuts. (laughs) Ten days on a plane and buses and guided tours and eating meals together and being with each other all of the time. By the end of those ten days, and I'm an extrovert, by the end of those ten days, I was done being around some of those people. Yes, they were pastors. 
I know, it's shocking. Sometimes pastors bug each other. It's, people are like, well, did you guys just like, you know, at the end of the day, get together in the hotel and sing Kumbaya around the fire? Like, no, we went to our rooms. Why? Why did they bug me? Well, for two reasons. Were they bad? Were they doing something wrong? No, two reasons. They're human and I'm human. And when you get human beings together for an extended amount of time, even pastors, they will eventually bug each other. They'll rub each other the wrong way. There'll be miscommunication or misunderstandings. And this brings me to my second point, which is this. Community is messy and people can be annoying. Yes, I just said that in church. Community is messy and people can be annoying. Now, if the first point caught you by surprise, I guarantee the second point didn't because we all know this. We're all quite aware that people can be annoying. A community is messy. We've experienced it. I'm sure we can all think of situations where we were with groups of people and things bugged us. People irritated us. People rubbed us the wrong way. There was miscommunication. There was misunderstandings. There was intentional or unintentional hurt. That's what happens when you get into community. And unfortunately, some of the worst experiences can happen in a place that you would hope would be the safest. Church. In the two communities that my wife and I have lived in since we got married, uh, we've always tried to be active and involved in our local community. We, that's a value for our family. And uh, so for me, that usually looks like uh, getting involved in the sports world in my local community since I love sports. Um, and so in the two communities that we've been a part of, I've coached my kids' sports teams. Uh, I also ref and umpire. So I've refed and umpired baseball, basketball, and football in the local communities. I'm currently on the board in Jackson for the Little League. My wife has gotten involved in various different things, not sports-related, but in other areas. But what's interesting is the harshest comments, the most hurtful comments that we've received in the 16 years since we've been married have not come from people in the local community. They've come from people inside the church. In fact, sometimes I'll be refereeing a basketball game. I'm refereeing basketball this season. And uh, there will be a parent in the stands that will generously share their feedback on how I'm doing my job. Otherwise known as screaming. And it's usually one of four things. It's usually call a foul, let them play, call it both ways, or my personal favorite, open your eyes. I'm like, wow, you know, I never thought of that. That's been the, I wish you would have said that sooner. We could have saved so much time if I would just open my eyes. Tell you what, I'll come to your job and when you aren't doing well, I'll scream at you, open your eyes, and we'll see if that helps you. But honestly, it doesn't really bother me because I'm a competitive person and I coach and, and I get it. People, you know, I, I actually get it. So when I hear parents yelling from the stands, I usually kind of smile inwardly. And what I want to do is I want to just like call time out and walk over and be like, you think you got smack talk game? You got nothing. You should see my church's connection cards. <laughs> Most of the time, the connection cards at Northbrook are very nice. Occasionally, we do get zingers. Community is messy outside the church and inside the church. So I want to be real clear as we talk about community. I don't, I, I'm not saying that when we come to church and we're in community, everything's wonderful and everybody gets along and there's no hurt and we all love Jesus and sing Kumbaya because that's not how it works. Community is messy inside and outside the church. So loneliness is killing us. Community is messy. And that brings me to my third observation, which is less an observation and more a declaration of biblical and historical fact. 
Number three, church community is the primary vehicle God chooses to mature us and impact the world. Church community is the primary vehicle God chooses to mature us and impact the world. Church community is messy, and yet it has and will continue to be God's plan, his primary plan to impact the world and help us mature and grow to be more like Jesus. And for every negative thing that I've been told or said or every hurtful thing that's happened to my family in church, I'm so thankful I can think of so many more positives of situations where people in the local church community have encouraged my family, have challenged us, have helped us, have inspired us. I'm so thankful For the local church community. But more than that, if we want to call ourselves Christians, you want to, if you want to call yourself a Christian, what does that mean, right? Christian, little Christ, follower of Christ, imitator of Christ. That's what we mean when we say we're a Christian. If we want to call ourselves a Christian, we have to come to grips with this reality. Living like Jesus isn't possible if we're not in Christian community. Because Jesus valued and encouraged religious community. In fact, much of Jesus' teachings in the New Testament were centered around how we are to live in religious community. That's been God's plan since the very beginning, that that God uses community time and time again to impact the world. From the very beginning, after Jesus died and, and, and rose again, we see community impacting the world. In the book of Acts, we see this, this group of people. And what's interesting, notice what doesn't happen. In the book of Acts, right, this group is left to figure it out, to, to, to take the message and the hope of Jesus and spread it around the world. And here's what they don't do. They don't say, all right, well, we all got a plan. Now let's go our separate ways and figure it out by ourselves. Tell you what, why don't we all, uh, why don't we all listen to a podcast and then we'll just all go our separate ways and figure it out. No, quite the opposite. Acts 2, verse 42, this is what the writer says of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. To the breaking of bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, that sounds pretty extreme, right? I mean, if you read that, you're like, wow, that that sounds a little radical. Like, can we just kind of like, can we calm that down a little bit? Like, that's pretty extreme. They're selling possessions, they're eating together every day. But here's my translation of that. If that scares you, if that seems a little radical, let me, let me simplify that. Here's what, here's what I think the early church did really well. They grew in relationship with God together, and they cared for each other really well. They grew in their relationship with God together, and they cared for each other really, really well. And in fact, it was the care for each other that made the outside world take notice. It was the fact that, that this new group of people that were together were caring for each other so well. And it didn't matter gender or race or social status. If you were a part of the group, you were cared for. And that's why they had the favor of all the people. Because outsiders looked in and they were like, wow, that group of people really take care of each other. 
Northbrook Church, when people outside of our walls look in, what do they see? What I hope they see, not just of Northbrook Church, but every local church, I hope when they look, look in, what they, what they should see, what I hope they see is they see a group of people that love and care for each other deeply, so that they would say, you know what, I'm not religious, I don't know if I'd ever go to that church, but man, I can't help but notice how those people care for each other. I can't help but notice that those people seem to, it's not just about going through the motions. For those people, they're, they're a family. They care for each other deeply. They support each other. They have each other's backs. That is what the outside world noticed that was happening in the early church that was so compelling. As followers of Jesus, we come together in the messiness of community because in the messiness of community is opportunity to care for each other and to continue to grow in relationship with God and each other. Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. All the more as you see the day approaching. The writer of Hebrews, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes and he says, look, I know some of you, you you feel like you got this, you got this following Jesus thing all figured out. Good for you. You, you, You're like, oh, we got this all figured out. We don't need to meet together anymore. We can just kind of go do our own thing, kind of live our own lives. Time out. Wait a minute. It doesn't matter how much you know about God. As followers of Jesus, you are invited into community where you help each other, where you spur each other on, where you challenge each other because we're better together than we are separate. And even though when we come together, it can get messy and there can be hurt feelings and there can be annoying people, we're better when we're together than we are separate doing our own thing. Sometimes I think we miss the point of the local church. You, you ever watch someone kind of miss the point? Uh, I uh, heard a story of a pastor who was giving a message on sin and vices and how sin and vices can eat at us and slowly kill us. And so he came up with what he thought was the brilliant sermon illustration. He, he got four jars and he got four worms. And at the beginning of his sermon, uh, he, he grabbed the jars and he put one worm in each jar. And the first jar was alcohol. So he placed the worm in that jar. And then the second jar was cigarette smoke. So he placed the worm in that jar. The third jar was chocolate syrup. So he placed the worm in that jar. And the fourth jar was dirt. So he placed the worm in that jar. And then he, you know, he gave his whole sermon on vices and sin, how they can eat at us and kill us. And he got to the end of his sermon and he went back to the jars and he reported the following findings. The first worm in the alcohol, dead. The second worm in the cigarette smoke, dead. The third worm in chocolate syrup, Dead. The fourth worm in dirt, alive. So he said to the people in his congregation, so what can we learn from this illustration? And a sweet old saintly woman in the first row raised her hand and she said, well, if you drink, smoke, and eat chocolate, you won't have worms. (laughs) Sometimes we miss the point. And this is where I may step on some toes. But church, we miss the point if we think the local church just creates content that we consume. We miss the point if we think that the local church, the reason for the local church is that the local church creates content so that we can just sit back and consume it and then go our separate ways. The local church is created 
so that we can come together in community. And yes, the local church will never be a building, right? You may have heard that before. The local, the church is not a building, and that's true. But the church is a group of people coming together, united, growing in their relationships with God and growing in their love for each other. That's why we, we encourage that if you have opportunity to go to a local church, that you go to your local church, that you don't sit on your couch and watch service online. Watching service online, it, it, I'm so thankful for technology. I'm so thankful we can stream services for those who are sick or for those who are on vacation or for those who can't make it to church. But understand that streaming services online works against the very point of the local church when we use an opportunity to watch service online so we don't have to engage with the community. Local church is about people coming together in community. Our goal since I've been here at Northbrook has been the same. We put it this way. Our goal is to make compelling followers of Christ. You know what's compelling? Not a live stream. Not church online. Not coming for an hour and then just flying out the door. No, compelling is, is a group of people that don't know a lot. Compelling is a group of people who love a lot, who are in each other's lives. Compelling is dropping by a house with a meal because you know someone is going through a difficult week. Compelling is showing up at the hospital with flowers to show someone that you're thinking about them. Compelling is sitting down and writing a card and putting it in the mail. Do you remember when we used to do that? Or sitting down and calling someone that's struggling. Compelling is showing up and celebrating with a family in their success or showing up and taking the time to grieve with a family in loss. Compelling is showing up at church not just to consume, but compelling is showing up at church looking for opportunities to love and to encourage and to challenge those around us. That's what we're invited to be as followers of Jesus. Not people who go to church or watch church, but people who are the church. People who are the hands and feet of Jesus, who love and spur each other on to good deeds. And if you say, well, Pastor John, I don't really need that. Like, I'm in a really good place. I know a lot about God. And, and I, you know, I just, I feel like the season of life I'm in, I don't really need the community. I don't really need the hassle of it. I don't, I don't need people in my life right now. I'm, I'm good. Here's, here's what I would say. I'm so thankful that you're in a good place. And, and maybe it's true that you don't need people right now, but here's what I would say to you. There are people at this church that need you. There are people at this church that need your love, your wisdom, your life experiences, your knowledge, your care. There are people at this church that need what you have to offer when you show up and give your not perfect self, not fake self, but give your authentic self by being present in their lives. There are people that need that. See, some seasons we need the community, and other seasons the community needs us. Some seasons we need, there, there have been seasons of my life where, I, where my family needed the community, where we needed people in our lives. We needed people to encourage us, or to challenge us, or to strengthen us, to help us. And I'm so thankful that in those seasons we had the church. There are other seasons where, quite frankly, my family was doing pretty well. We probably didn't need anyone. We didn't need the church. But I know that people in the church needed us. In those seasons, we were able to be God's hands and feet, not, not do it perfectly. And I know some of you are thinking, well, you know what, John? No one's ever been there for me, so why should I be there for them? Because that's what it means 
to serve and love like Jesus. It's not about what people have done for you. It's about showing the unconditional love of God to others. And when we show up for others imperfectly, we represent Jesus in a beautiful way. I picked up a, a new hobby this past year, and uh, I'm pretty addicted to it. Uh, someone invited me to uh, to play this hobby, and uh, at first I was a little skeptical. Everyone seems so intense when they get into this hobby. It's got a weird name, and I'm like, I don't know, but I played it once. I was like, that's kind of fun. And then I played it a second time, and I was hooked. Went out and bought all the gear, fully committed, started watching the YouTube videos, the Instagram videos, how to get better, because if I'm going to do something, like, I fully commit. And uh, my new my newfound hobby is pickleball. Anyone else play pickleball? Yes. My people. Pickleball. Oh, it's amazing. Like, don't knock it. It is the fastest growing sport in America. Thank you very much. Some people are like, well, isn't that like for people when they retire? And I'm like, yes. And when by the time I retire, I'm going to be so good. I'm going to be all the other retired people. (laughs) Way ahead of the game. Love pickleball. Uh, I typically go every Friday or as many Fridays as I can. Jackson Rec Center. And uh, when I started going, like, I, I, you know, I, I, I liked the game. That's why I went, because I enjoyed playing the game. But what I found that I wasn't expecting was this community of people. A community of people that I enjoyed hanging out with and getting to know, learning their names. They were learning my name and, and interacting with them, asking them how they're doing. There's this little community of people that I was not expecting, but I'm actually enjoying. And I know many of you have found community in similar places, Maybe not pickleball, but maybe the gym, or maybe with parents that have kids that are in a similar hobby, people in a similar season of life as you. And it's a wonderful thing to to find community in those places. In fact, again, I would encourage you to be intentional to find community outside the church. It's a great way to be the hands and feet of God and just live your life with others outside the church. But, church, let's make sure that community outside the church doesn't replace community inside the church. What we're finding in 2023 is that for many Christians in America coming out of COVID, they're replacing community inside the church for community outside the church. Because now I can watch a message online. I can watch hundreds of messages online, great messages. I can listen to podcasts. I can read books. And then I can go do community outside the church and I'm good. But when we do that, when we miss out on community inside the local church, not only do we miss out, but people inside the local church miss out. Apostle Paul talks about the, the body of Christ being a, being a body, right? And we're all different parts of the body. And you can, you can go off and do your own thing. But when, 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 a hand, when a finger is cut off the body and it goes off and does its own thing, I mean, it may feel like it's doing fine, but you know what suffers? Not only does it suffer, the body suffers. The local church suffers. And so we have this beautiful opportunity. Yes, be in community outside the church, but make sure that we don't forsake meeting inside the church. Because the local church is a place where we can challenge each other and grow and care for each other in a way that's very difficult outside in the local community. I would put it this way, the community of the local church, when it's at its best, led by competent, Holy Spirit-inspired leaders, is the most powerful force in the world, and we are invited and commanded by God to be a part of it. So be a part of community outside the church, but make sure that you continue to be a part of community inside the church. 
whether it's for you so that you can be encouraged and challenged or whether it's so that you can encourage someone or challenge someone else. God has created the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the the local church as the hope of the world, and we are encouraged to be a part of it. In 2023, with so many people fighting loneliness and isolation, what gift can we give them? We can give them the gift of local churches, not just Northbrook Church, but my prayer is that churches all around this country would be places where people that are lonely and, and feeling isolated can look in and they won't feel judged, they won't feel condemned, they won't feel like an outsider. They'll see people that are loving each other so well and inviting others to come in and they'll say, I want to be a part of that. Biblical knowledge, understanding of who God is, truth, so important. But the reality is, People outside our doors that want to come in, the the first question on their mind, church, is not how much we know, it's how much we care. And if we don't care, they don't care how much we know. So what would it look like to take a next step into community this week? If you feel like God is placing this next step on your heart, remember we started the message saying we're not going to do all the things. We're going to do one thing. We're going to do it well this month. And so maybe you've already taken a next step. Maybe your focus is elsewhere. But if you're like, you know what? I feel like God is encouraging me to get more involved in community in the local church. What would that look like? For some of us, it might mean joining a serve team. Uh, Our serve teams at Northbrook not only serve, but they're also little communities in and of themselves. In fact, one of my favorite communities here at Northbrook uh, is our adult leader team at our, in our student ministry at seven. We have about 40 adults on Wednesday nights that come together to serve our students, disciple our students, um, and they become a little family, uh, a little family uh, of people that care for each other and help each other. And uh, we have 20-somethings all the way up to 70 or 70-somethings, all serving but also loving and caring for each other. And so if you're like, you know what, I, I'd love to be a part of a serve team and in that way experience community at Northbrook, uh, we have an engaged event coming up Sunday, February 5th. Uh, it's a one-hour event. If you're not sure where you'd like to be, like to serve here at Northbrook, at Northbrook, we're not interested in you serving where we have need. We're interested in you serving where you feel that you can best use your gifts, your talents, your abilities. If you don't like teenagers, I'm never going to ask you to serve in student ministry. I'll tell you that right now. So if that's you, this one-hour event would be a great next step to learn a little bit about the serve opportunities here at Northbrook. You can sign up online or at the kiosk. It's a one-hour event and you get a lunch. Maybe for others of us, uh, it's a life group. Pastor Inger at the beginning of the service talked about our life groups are starting up. And here's what I know. I'm going to say this quick. If you've grown up in church, you've been in church a while, here's, here's the obstacle to some of us joining life groups. Because at one point in the past, we had a bad experience in a life group. We joined up for a life group and it didn't do much for us or we didn't connect with the people. And so we were like, well, I'm never doing that again. But think about that. Like, we don't do that in other parts of life. Like, if you go, to, if you have a bad experience at a restaurant, you don't abandon eating out. If you go to the Packer game and they lose, you don't swear off going to Packer games. At least most of you don't. And so if you had, maybe, maybe you joined a life group in the past and it just, for whatever reason, you had a bad experience and feel cared for, didn't, whatever. I would encourage you to pray and ask God if it's time to re-engage with a community of other people growing and learning about God and caring for each other. And lastly, maybe the next step is simply this. It's being more engaged when you show up at church. Instead of coming quickly and leaving or watching online, maybe it simply means coming and spending some time in the lobby, just interacting with people, 
chatting with old friends and asking them how they're doing or meeting some new friends. Uh, this week, to, to help with that, we do have donuts out in the lobby if you didn't already see them to kind of help. I know you all need more sugar in your lives, so there are donuts out in the lobby. But the, the goal is that you would just take some time while you're eating a donut to chat with someone. Either meet a new friend or engage with an old one. Uh, and spend some time in the lobby just connecting in community. The local church is God's plan. And I want to be real clear before we close. My hope is today that I didn't guilt anyone. If you're watching at home, look, I get it. If you're watching at home and you're like, wow, John, that, that was, that was actually kind of hurtful. I'm sorry. Like, I, look, if I was a, if I wasn't a pastor, I'd be tempted to stay home and and watch church in my PJs too. I'm not going to lie. So there's no guilt. There's no condemnation. But here is the challenge for all of us. Can we be people who engage in community, and yes, it may be messy, and yes, it can be hurtful, and yes, it won't be perfect, but can we be people who engage in community with the hope and belief that God uses our engagement not only to help us, but to care and mature and help others as we come together as the body of Christ? Would you bow your heads with me as we close? Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your goodness and your love. And I thank you for the local church. Thank you for Northbrook. I thank you for the other local churches in our area. Father, I pray that you would give all of us uh, the wisdom and the courage to connect in community in whatever way you're leading us. May we be people who don't just uh, know a lot about you, but may we be people who love and care for each other well. And when the outside world looks in, may they, may they know that we're your followers by the way that we're loving each other. In Jesus' name, amen.